Hey, welcome everybody to Five Pin Universe 20th podcast milestone. Some of you have listened to over 20 hours of our garbage, so uh, <laughs> we just like to thank you for uh, listening and becoming patrons. If you have, if you haven't, there's lots of extra topics that you could listen to. Uh, just like to welcome back our regular crew, Dexter and Tim Wiseman, Adam Weber, and uh, we have a repeat guest, Mitch Davies. Um, so our first question is comes from a gentleman that answered on our facebook page saying do you think every province should have the same rules for determining the teams for the open specifically when a person drops on the men's or ladies team and the 10th qualifier takes a spot wherever that wherever it's right after qualifying or two weeks later i'm not 100 percent sure on so i the think I think like what it means is like uh, like whether a person like pulls out immediately after a tournament or you know like a month down the road um, if, if there should be some sort of like guidelines or rules um, standardized rules for that I know we have those rules provincially uh, in Alberta we do anyways um, and those are that if a person pulls out um, a month outside the tournament so you know 30 days plus then the person on like so if you're on the men's team the person on the mixed team will move up onto the men's yeah, but so everybody it, just bumps up a spot right right but if you're within 30 days then the person that was 10th will move into whatever spot that that is now a vacancy and i think i think the reason for that is simply that you know at that point people are probably having practices and you don't want to disrupt the teams of flow that they've already started to create. Right. So I imagine that that's, um, the reasoning for those rules, but that is provincially mandated, right, Tim? Not, Correct. not nationally. No, there's yeah. a national rule to it too, but uh, I have to look it up, but there is national rules too, to your substitutes on your team. Ours is two weeks. So if it's within two weeks, then they don't get bumped up. They get placed on the team. But if it's outside of two weeks, then you get put. Then you get put on the team. Okay, so I mean two weeks after after qualifying. No, going into going into the provincials, within oh, two okay. weeks of provincials. Yeah. So if you ever want to like <laughs> cheat on a team somehow, that's how you would have to do it. So, but yeah, no, the, that's how it's done. Yeah. So, uh, do you guys feel that that should be more standardized to the month or to the two weeks, or do you think that every province has? I wouldn't say the right, but every province is welcome to decide their own and don't need to be standardized. Or I don't know, how do you look as a, a member of the one of the five-pin boards, Tim? Do you, do you feel that that should be more standardized across the country? or? Um, I actually am I'm okay with it the way it is, I think, just because I think each province might know uh, what's best for their own province or from certain situations. Obviously, in Alberta, we have a different stance than maybe what Ontario has. Um, that being said, I think 30 days is more than fair. And I think after 30 days, I think unless it's a tragic incident like we had last time, we had something in in uh, Red Deer when those, that gentleman passed away, uh, you never – you kind of know in advance, and it's only fair to your team to make that thing, make that change, right? No different than when last year when Shelby bumped up on the – on the men's team, Victor was when aware Victor that was the situation. He, he, you know what? He understood the situation, and he was uh, honestly, he was quite the team player to understand it and at least come forward with it and make the right decision for the team. 
it's a lot different than um, than moving up on the other way, right? So I'm I'm okay with it. Um, obviously, there's there's always certain maybe situations that you you can't always uh, figure out or handle any way you want, maybe. But unfortunately, it's just the way it is. I think the important thing is that you have to make sure that you actually have a rule. You know that that's that's the important thing is that you need to make sure that those rules are out there and the guidelines are met and everyone is aware of them. And I think that uh, I, I my understanding I, I don't know the stories and I, I I probably shouldn't allude to any of them. But I think that's the biggest problem that these that, that these individuals are having is that there actually isn't a rule for this. So everything is sort of being done willy nilly. Um, sort and that's of off. Yeah, and so it kind of leaves ambiguity to all this, and that, that's something that's not good for the game. So I think the important thing is that there needs to be rules and there needs to be guidelines and they need to be followed so that people can't just make choices based on individual situations. You know? Yeah, I don't necessarily mind that there's individual you know, rulings per zone, per province, per you know, nationally. Uh, just that there's too many dynamics per zone, per province, right? Um, uh, namely, there's there's many zones that can only you know have you know get a certain amount of players to come out anyways, right? So all of a sudden somebody drops off. Now they're going basically off the street to grab somebody anyways, right? So I, I think it needs to be tailored probably to the zone first of all, um, and then there's got to be rules uh, zone provincially, and I, I know there's one nationally. Yeah, I know. I think each provincial has their own rule for national uh, rules. Um, you look at BC. I mean, how many times Stu Ryan didn't show up for open provincial, uh, open nationals after he's team qualified? And I know the one year they picked up Mike Warren. I think that was down in Calgary Nationals, right, or one of them. And uh, so with us, I think it'd be a little bit different. I think we'd be taken within our zone, or maybe I, I don't know what ours would be. I have to look it up, right? But no, it, it goes to the single rep. Ours would be yes. Yeah, yeah. What if, I, what okay if the singles it. rep is already representing, and somebody else on the team gets injured? Would it be everybody that played in the provincial round would be ripe for the picking, or would it have to be specifically from their zone? You would have to look at the A five uh, formats online. I would have to look at that. Well, that's what I, I honestly, if I have any questions, I always follow it because it's right there and accessible, right? So. Um, it's interesting. I think when it comes to a national, say one of the teammates gets injured, you already have your single as your on your team to replace somebody. It obviously be emergency spare someone who's already there, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. ours is um, so I got picked up by the Knicks team two years ago actually because ours is your highest qualifier from your zone that did not make nationals. So I won the zone that year. And our team didn't win, and I didn't win singles, so they won. And uh, John Conti couldn't go, so I get to go on a mixed team. How right? So your, it was like, what's that story, Jim? How how was your um, how was your like experience with that? Yeah, it was it was you know what, I I, I actually enjoyed the mixed team. I really did. I never played a mixed team before at that point. Um, it was good. It was good to play with a different dynamic of players. Uh, sometimes. I am I am the way I am sometimes, and uh, you know I'm really intense and I get into it pretty good. So you know if I pick on a four bagger and, and Amber's there just trying to cheer me on, say it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, and then I yell at her saying it's not okay, and then 
<laughs> I guess. I guess. Um, it was was it weird playing with people with the same size hands as you? Yeah, yeah, that was definitely it. I played with the YBC too, and like Master Youth before. It's the same thing. <laughs> Just the best high fives of your life. That's right. That's right. But yeah, that was pretty much the only uh, like different dynamic. But you know what? Actually, the biggest one was different competition skill level. So you're playing mixed team, and you know we got a pretty good team in comparison to the rest of our province of what you'd be playing against. And then all of a sudden you go to you go to nationals, and you're playing Regina, who doesn't have a ladies team. So they have a mix. They have their mix. Their top three ladies in the city get to be on their mixed team, and then their singles rep was on that mixed team and actually won was Jackie Spark. Well, then she doesn't play mix, so they pick up Coral. I was like, okay, this this is this is fair, but you know they had a good team. They had a great team. That's the way they do it. That's the way it is. So it doesn't matter. You're playing within the rules. It is what it is. And then you're playing against Quebec, who actually had the Masters ladies singles rep for on their mixed team right so it's like well this is fair so you know you know you're playing a bunch of different rules but they're abiding by all these rules and you can't you, you know you can't do anything about it it's just it is what it is unfortunately some places don't have the numbers so this is what they're going by yeah. it's all fair and game and fair and fun right yeah well, especially when Quebec and and uh and Nova Scotia and all those are all-star teams right they're not uh Teams yeah. you, you combine from a zone, right? So, yeah, makes no, sense. exactly. Do you, but like Regina, right? Yeah. It's a major city, and they and they had and they had their top three ladies teams, and then yeah, they had their men were still pretty good, right? So second match, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I mean, they 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 can all play, and then obviously you give them their top three women, and you're like, okay, this is this is good. So I'll, I'll address the elephant in the room. Do you feel it's an unfair? playing advantage or do you feel that it even with that supposed all-star team can everybody rise to that level and compete in one event oh yeah no definitely anybody can beat anybody on any given day so it doesn't matter how good or how bad you are you can still win good players still have bad days bad players still have good days it is what it is all right but it's un- it's not unfair because if you don't have the numbers to do it, you can't even participate if you don't have the numbers. So you have to be able to adjust year by year and uh, team by team, right? If you only had six men come out, well, you got to figure it out. It's like, okay, well, are we only going to have you know, a men's team or what are we doing here? Yeah. So, you know, you got to figure it out and you just got to adjust the numbers that you have. Fair. That's fair, Mitch. Yep, I totally agree. Did, did we not have that, like that that same similar situation with uh, with the North team here in Alberta a few years back? Uh, or I think they, they only had a mixed, or, or the ladies? Yeah, the they, ladies, they couldn't do a ladies. ladies team, so they had a mixed yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, so same same situation yeah. as Mitch is saying. Um, it, is there anything that we can combat that with on a rule book, right? Because like, at so that I point, got... they, they, they've only got singles reps at that point. That's the only other option, right? So, Adam, listen to this. Yeah. So, one year, about uh, about four or f- five years ago, I think it is now, they had a wild card team here in Ontario because Bay Quinney couldn't, fo- couldn't hold um, – they couldn't have a mixed team. They could only have a men's and ladies team. So, they had nine men try out, but they only had five women. And the rule is you have to have at least six women to try out to be able to have a mixed team or some, I don't know, some ridiculous rule. Anyways, so what they did was – they all tried out. They tried out all their games. The men made it. Then all of a sudden, they didn't make it. They scrapped the men that did that made the mixed team. They scrapped them, 
and said, you got to go try out all over again at Neb's for 10 games one month before Provincials. So they had mm-hmm. to play for a whole mixed team. Yeah. They had to play for a whole mixed team, three men and three way and three ladies. So all the players from all across Ontario all went there that didn't make it to try out again. And then they had this pretty stacked mixed team, obviously, right? So, which I was cool with because I, I agree with the wild card formation of it. I just didn't agree with them getting rid of the three men that made it. So yeah. they, they should have done it right and correct. So what happened was they had this, this great mixed team, which had like, uh, you might not know them or not, but like Dave Bentley was on it, Ryan Cowan, like guys who have like one club tour before. So they're good players. And then you have women that are like Diane Trask, who's a 250 player playing in a mixed division, right? So they're going to, you know, yes, they didn't make their own zone. I get it. But they're good players. So then they went. They came second. They lost the, they lost the double dip. And then that year at the AGM, they got rid of them. But I was like, well, you know, you could have just adjusted it to be a fair way instead of yeah. scrapping the whole thing because you're afraid of the unknown. And that's, the, you know, a big problem with our game in long standing, right? They're afraid of change or afraid of the unknown. So I, I feel like that's where they just got scared. They're like, no, this team's too much of a powerhouse. We're getting rid of it instead of adjusting it to be the proper way it should have been. Yeah, they should have let at least that zone have an opportunity to fill it first, right? Well, they did have the opportunity. They had the because we don't do ours back to back days; we do it back to back weekends. So they had a whole week to get people Fair to enough. come to try out. But I'm okay with having separate women to come try out for those spots. I'm just not okay with telling three guys you can't play now because you didn't have enough women. Right, right. You could have figured it. it out. Yeah, yeah, they earned their spot. Well, there when they just told them no. There was a couple of years in Alberta where. It, the host zone filled the North's mixed team, did it not? Yes. A lot of the, I think, honestly, a lot of it is, depends where the where we're hosting. Down south, they have a hard time uh, because of the travel, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's a long ways to go down, and most of the times they fly, right? But, uh, yeah, most times that we fill up the ladies' team, or they might need to, or sorry, fill up the mixed team, sometimes you need to, but since we held it in, in Grand Prairie, it's only been the one year that I think we had the issue. Yeah, the, number, the numbers have come back. That's for sure. Yeah. We don't run into that problem so much anymore. No, which is good. And the overall talent uh, of North is, is very strong, oh, yeah. which nice is great, to, great to see. Yeah. The guys are finally coming back, which is good, yeah. I, I heard a random rumor today that there might be some five-pin lanes potentially getting put into Fort McMurray. No. That's really? been that's been a rumor for like the last year, hasn't it? No, it there's been a rumor a ten pin going oh, into okay. um, what would be it's a it's a Canadian brew house facility, um, but uh, so th- they were definitely looking at ten pin. We tried to convince them to put in convertibles so that five pin could be put up there, but I heard a rumor that there might be some five pin lands getting put up there from a guy who used to be involved in the bowling world uh, twenty years ago. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that would be fantastic for the North because there, there's some really good shooters up there that haven't played in forever because I'm sure they just haven't had accessibility to it. Yeah, you, yeah, you have to drive halfway across the province to get to a bowling center, right? Exactly. So that would be fantastic. It would be great to see, like, Perry play again, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. He was huge. He was huge for that North team. The, the two years that he played it for, for North, he he convinced those guys that they can play because they can, but they, you know, you just got to have that belief. And Perry was the guy that was able to do that. And they, 
they became really scary for those years that Perry was playing up there. So, um, yeah, hopefully that comes to fruition. Yeah, for sure. More lanes, the better. Yep. Always good to hear them opening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll hit up on another question. Um, when was the last time you felt completely lost on the lanes? Um, couldn't couldn't find a way to, to score, all that good stuff. And what did you do to snap out of it? Last Sunday, and I took my shoes off. <laughs> <laughs> he won the big pot on Sunday. Yeah, two two weeks ago. Yeah, it was not good. Mine was this past weekend. weekend. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh yeah. We had a little uh, like handicap event, is what they're called, right? So it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. It was Friday. It was the doubles. Saturday was a, the four man team, and uh, Sunday was the triples. And then Sunday afternoon is the uh, scratch singles event. So Friday night, I had I had twelve fifty for five, and the kid that I was bowling with. Um, he's gotten a lot better. I coach him all year and he's gotten a lot better. He's about 240, 240. I think he's just under 245 actually, but his book average was only 217. So I picked him up and he shoots 1370, of course, and I shoot 1250. So, you know, it, it was plus his POA plus my scratch score. So we shoot 1495. Don't even cash. I was like, okay, this is, this is fun. Um, but I just could not stop picking like in the wrong spots. You know, you throw a double. You pick. You throw, a, you know, a couple corners in a row. You spare them out. You pick, and it's just like, okay, I'm getting really frustrated. But you know, you've got to look at it like a golfer. You know, when you're, I, I don't watch a ton of golf, but when, I, but when I do, I watch more of the mannerisms and what they're doing. You know, if they if they slice a ball or they hook a ball and they do something they weren't supposed to do, they adjust and figure it out. They just analyze until they can figure it out. They're always thinking, and that's where I've never agreed with people when they tell you. Don't think on the lanes. Don't think on the lanes. No, think the right things. Think the right process. See what you did and adjust towards it so that way you can have a better educated guess. And so that's that's how I better myself is I'll just think and think and think and think until I find it. And so it actually took me until – so Saturday I had like a low like a low 13, nothing special. But Sunday, I got to Sunday and all of a sudden I figured it out. We go to the single the singles event. I got like a low eight. All of a sudden, I go 390, 360. So, you know, you, you just keep thinking and thinking and thinking. Just keep grinding it out until you finally figure it out. So, and then you just, you, once you got it, you're fine. It doesn't matter who, who you are. If you keep bowling and you keep just analyzing your game and seeing what'll work and see what won't work, then you'll figure it out. It doesn't matter how good or how bad you are. Yeah, that's something we've kind of preached over the, these 20 episodes is, um, you constantly good thoughts thinking about your game adjust and figure it out right yeah yeah and i mean like try try new things right in the middle of a tournament too right like if you if you think you're if you think you're lost you are lost so you know switch it right up go to the left and throw a backup or or like nothing stupid stupid but like try to keep it straight or or semi-straight, but like different rotation or something along those lines. So, you know, you can adjust accordingly. Yeah. Right. Well, I think we, we see it all the time in the cash tournaments, right? It, uh, anybody who's starting to struggle in a, a, say an early shift, uh, you know, Friday afternoon shift, they'll all of a sudden, they'll kind of get it to click by game five, six, seven. And then all of a sudden now they have nothing but, but positive thoughts going into that next shift Saturday morning. 
and then they come out and absolutely light it up, right? At, the, at some point, you just have to keep fighting and digging and, and like you said, try something, uh, especially you go to all these different centers that are out there, and they all have their little niches, and you just have to f- kind of figure it out mentally, but you got to keep trying. You can't give up. Yeah, because there's going to be a shot that's going to work. Right? Somewhere. So you, you, just, you just keep trying something until you find that shot that works. You know, and it's different and it, it can be different in every single house you go to. But you just keep grinding it until you find something. And like we've said before, use every shot. You're right about that that scenario there, Adam, where they get, you know, they get that, find the rhythm in the last four games. Unless you're, you know, Matt Eisenhower. <laughs> Matty, Matty was famous for going, you know, you know, th- three, 370 in game eight being like, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then first game next shift 2-0 crap <laughs> yeah. well we were playing um just just in regina right like i had nothing for six i didn't even have 1500 nothing and then i tried a different line i was like okay i'll try this one right here i picked the first frame i'm like oh that's garbage anyways i was like well i'll try a different one so i did and i threw an 11 bagger i mean you know you just sometimes you know you get yeah. you just find it right time whatever it just yeah. it just comes it just comes so you throw that double and then all of a sudden the confidence is there now you throw that confident next shot yeah that goes for a strike and now it's like the sky's the limit that's it yeah yeah you just have that that moment of relief where you can just sigh and be like we're good like well you feel you feel embarrassed it. too right like we've all been there like we've all been there where you're bowling so bad and especially like you know, sometimes people look up to you or people think, like, you're supposed to be something, like, so great or, or whatever may be the case. It doesn't matter who you are at that time, at that time, right? You're like, oh, my God, this is actually embarrassing of what you're doing right now. And you you just got to forget about it and not worry about anything else and just go, just go throw the best ball you can every time. Yep. There's always another game. There's always another frame. There's always another tournament, you know, but you got to keep working. But I think, for me, the, the law, the most lost I've ever been, actually, lost. I was born I, I, when I broke my hand. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I caught fire for, like, 15 games. I just went absolutely stupid. I go up against Adam Kemp, and I'm, I kill him for two games. I'm just, I'm just cruising. I'm in no problem. All of a sudden, I, I shank one way left, outside three, through the hole, through the hole. I'm, I was pure fire. And then all of a sudden, outside three, through the hole. And I'm like, I, I, I have no idea what's going on here. I, I adjusted it, figured it out. I'm like, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. It's going to go away. And then I'm, I, go to, I go up against Adam, shank it again. And I'm like, all right, it's not going away. So you have to adjust it all the way over or figure something out. But that was the most lost I've ever been. And, you know, very rarely are you ever going to feel like that where you're just so, so, so lost that you feel like nothing will work. Something will eventually work. What, what about that time um, at, was it the WCBT pins game um, where you went uh, 0 and 10 in frames against someone? Yeah, that was you. Oh, was, was that me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was you. I'm sorry. Actually, I think the last time I got just completely lost was uh, I was playing open singles nationals in Regina. And uh, I played uh, Regina Classic earlier that year. I I came out qualifying just massive, like high 24 or something qualifying. Uh, played well in the the uh, the next qualifying, so 
here I've got nothing but a positive thought going in. I, you know, did my pre-tournament, uh, uh, you know, mental strength training, all that good stuff. And I get there and I could not stop plowing. And I plowed for three days. And that's probably the last time I felt just completely lost. I had no clue. I'm talking to everybody. Everybody's giving me their, their, their guidance, their thoughts. Go out, try something else, plow. Just had absolutely no idea what to do. That's so frustrating, man. Oh, that's it was so- terrible. It was terrible. That's the worst sound ever, eh, in the world? Just hearing yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, you, yeah. you don't hear it unless you're on a big run or you've done it, like, eight times in nine frames. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, most frustrating thing. Come on, Tim. I know you've struggled lots. Tell me a story. <laughs> All right, I, I, I was just trying to stay out of coaching right now. So, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't remember a whole time where I've been 100% completely lost. Um, lately, I guess maybe the last one was 2014 Masters Nationals, where I was absolutely butt ugly and averaged 230 on the nose at Winnipeg. Uh, that was the last time and I lost complete confidence. And I think confidence is a huge key with it. A lot of the times soon you start thinking negative thoughts or you start thinking you can't do it. Obviously you won't ever get to be able to do it. Um, one thing I've always tried to strive for is even though I maybe not say it, um, I try to at least keep some positive thoughts or to keep something that I think I'm doing positive still in my head, even if it's just one thing, whether it's my feet or my follow through or how it feels coming off my fingers. And uh, that was probably the one time that I didn't have any confidence at all. And it wasn't just me. It was another player on my team. <coughs> it was probably my worst experience I ever had bowling, to be honest with you. And it wasn't necessarily because of my teammates, but it was a tough with my coach. So, um, and, you know, and I, we talked about in our podcast that do we really need coaches, right? We talked about that. I, I still think we do to some extent. I mean, especially when you're – Especially with us, I think we just need encouragement or just positive self-talk sometimes to get yourself out of it in a, in a team event, and we didn't have that. And I think, I'm not saying that that was the reason why I struggled or was lost, but it could have maybe taken me out of it. So yeah, that sure. was the last time I was uh, I was completely lost. Yeah, as uh, some of you guys have alluded, alluded to over the last few podcasts, um, mine as early as this year, it's central qualifying for the Open. I uh, I wasn't lost, so I guess that's kind of a bad term for it. I just lost all pin carry. I couldn't carry any pins. I was throwing lots of splits, lots of aces, apparently. Um, and same thing carried over to Regina this year. Played two qualifying shifts and was hitting my spots, hitting my, my pockets, but wasn't getting any carry. And uh, I didn't find anything till Consolation where I found something and then ever since then my play in leagues and stuff like that has been super high so um, I think it's just my train of thought was just going back to basics trying to get rid of that like you said the bad thoughts um, the bad pin carry or whatever you want to call it and uh, just go back to basics and try and get some roll on the ball and see what see what comes through eventually like mitch said it's got to work itself out you got to try change things and adjust and hopefully it has and we have masters this coming weekend tournament five and six and i'm two spots out of national team 
and let's i'm really hoping that i figured out in time for that now you will not not too worried about you yeah but yeah just for that question you you just got to keep playing (laughs) you're gonna feel lost at times but uh like mitch said you get keep making adjustments and if if all else fails, go back to basics. Go to something that you were trying a year ago. Go back to something you were trying two years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It, there's a reason that you were playing that way a few years ago, and it probably worked back then. It always always keep those things in mind as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just just don't let the frustration take you over. Continue to work. Just just continue to work. Yep. I know it can be frustrating, but continue to work. And yeah, just small changes. The biggest joke for me was always that I was going to throw the hook ball. Because I, I throw back up all the time, and I never throw a hook. But the, and I, I don't throw a hook because I, I just can't sustain it. But, you know, every once in a while, I was like, okay, you know what, I'm frustrated. It's not working. I, I'd throw the hook, and that's when I'd shoot. Well, I shot 400 Masters throwing a hook. I think I've thrown, like, four games hook ball my entire life. <laughs> just, just try something, you know? And yeah. if, you're, if you're struggling that bad, it's, it's a good, good time to try something completely new. You know, maybe you'll learn something out of it. Mm-hmm. I think the overall the overall theme, though, is that there is light at the end of the tunnel, and it will not just be the struggle forever. And to be perfectly honest, my experience in Regina during that Open, where it was just pure frustration, made me want to get better and work on my game even more and more and more. And all of a sudden, you do come out of it, and you come out of it with a much better mindset, and you actually come out as a much better player. Mm-hmm. So just keep working at it like everybody's, uh, everybody tells you. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Right, uh, so we'll jump into the segment where we give some shout-outs for uh, high scores and maybe some records being beaten. Not too sure about that. But uh, first off, we'd just like to uh, congratulate Marcy Clark from Stetler. She uh, shot yeah. her first 300 at 304. Um, if a lot of our listeners probably don't know who she is, she's been helped managing Stetler Lane or Heartland Bowl, sorry, down Stetler. And, uh, she's very near and dear to our hearts and it's uh, pretty cool to see her come into her own game. A first 300 is something you'll never forget. That's for sure. Um, next is Sydney Sheriff. It was bold in Stetler. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure where Sydney's from, but shot a 383 in a YBC master tournament. It was. Yeah. Um, and Ben Hendrickson in BC shot 438. Bernie McMillan, perfect game in Park and Bowl, uh, London, Ontario. And Brett Sims from Kitchener shot a 450 in Elmira and a 1435 quad. Huge, wow. pretty outstanding bowling. You know, the, the, the best part about that for me is the fact that he threw that perfect game game one, for one, and then shot a 985 triple after that. Like, it wasn't it, totally different than throwing the perfect game in game four, you know? He, but he recovered and, like, had the come down and still shot 975. That is really impressive. Yeah. Good for you. Totally agree. Awesome. Good old Elmira. Another pie house, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mitch said it was average scoring. Mitch told me that. Um, it's average. There. It, Mitch is an average player, though. I am. Man, back when when I had black bases, though, and Jeffy can tell you this because I keep telling him every freaking week, he should buy him, buy him again. 
Uh, when they had black faces, seventeen inches, it was dumb. Like it was, it was unreal. Just, I mean, I've never played Bonnie. Do- well, I have two thousand eight, but um, Bonnie Doon now they say is amazing. But that that's what I envision what Bonnie Doon looks like was when I saw Elmiro with black faces and seventeen inches. It was just dumb. You you didn't not throw a strike if you put it on the side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fourteen thirty-five for four is like absolutely gross. That beats mine. Mine's thirteen sixty. I'm sure it beats all of ours here. No. No, you got a better one, Adam. I have fourteen forty at uh, TPC this year. Okay, that's pretty gross. Um, <laughs> I was gonna ask. Okay, for you guys, and maybe you could say that it is. What's the best time you've ever bowled? Like what, at that feeling and that time. Like maybe not scores, but. The best feeling you think you've ever had when you've been bowling? Uh, Just pure zone. Yeah, mine, pure was, zone. mine was 2018 Autumn Open. I, uh, the starting eight games or whatever, I, I don't remember what the number is. I wish I did. But uh, shoot 14 or 427 at uh, Rich Weber and then come back and shoot three and a half at you, Adam. And I. Sure. Yeah. But like, it was just a string of. Unreal. Like I think I went eight and zero to start in the tournament, and then had my struggles later later in the tournament, but still came back to finish off the tournament. Like it, it didn't seem to matter what thought process I was in, and went up there through the ball, and it was pocket pick up the spare if there was a spare left. I didn't have too many splits. None of that. None of that bad pin carry that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> Um, and it, it's funny to see that from Autumn Open 2018 to less than a year later or a year and a half later, and then all of a sudden it's completely gone. But, uh, yeah, that that would be my, my closest one. I wouldn't say completely gone, I guess. But going from a feeling like that where nothing goes wrong to a feeling where you can't get anything right. Is, uh, is that when you had the you had the aces on the 11 bagger or yeah. aces on the 10 bagger? Yeah. Ooh. Um, I, I think the matter of you being in the zone or everything just feeling right, you only get that once or twice or maybe three times a year, I think. Yeah. On a competitive level, right? And then when you hit it, you have to hit that max capacity or, or your full potential with it. I hit think at the right time. Hit at the right yeah, time. Yeah. I, I, I honestly don't even know what my high four is. I, I think I shot seventeen thirty, for five, and I think yeah, I had two sixty. Any day. To be honest, at the top of my head. It, it wasn't maybe the highest scores, but uh, when I won my first Open City Championship in 2010 on Sunday, I shot over 3,000 on Sunday when Bonnie Dune was a tougher house. And I, uh, w- I was sitting in like 12th, I think it was, and I came back and won. I was down like 270. But mm-hmm. everybody else averaged like 260, 270 that day, and I averaged 300. But anything I – like I – Maybe had like eighty and five at bang out. I just had that confidence with it, and maybe that nine game block this year I had really good. But I, yeah, I don't know. I when you're in that zone, you try to keep in that zone, right? And you and honestly, I think you become more superstitious, <laughs> right? Obviously, you're doing the same thing over and over because you don't want to make a jinx, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you don't go to that bathroom break half the time either. No. Yeah, you're bored. Or you go to the bathroom break at the same time every time. Yeah. Hmm. That's right. No, yeah, I don't know. Not, not me. So, anyways, yeah, it's very few and far between each year, right? But you capitalize on it the best. Dex. Um, 
you will stay like not a weekend sort of thing, not a tournament, like a single yeah, day. Yeah, no, like that one day, and you know you've just hit it. You know it's like I'm unbeatable. I'm unstoppable. You might even beat yeah. me that day, but um, I'm gonna say honestly, a TPC 2010. I mean, it, it's easy to say like the tournament that you won, but um, I just remember knowing that day that like every match I was in, I knew no matter where I was in that match that I was gonna win that match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I I ran both sides. I lost the B final, the won the final. But there was no question about, you know, when it, that entire day, there was no emotion. I was super calm. I was just kind of just, just out kind of just throwing balls. And it was just uh, really natural and really easy. And I just, it, in a match play format, I, I knew there was no way that I was going to lose. It's a really odd feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, as for like, you know, score wise or anything like that, I have no idea. I know what my high no. game is. But like yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know a high triple. I don't know a high quad. I don't know any of that. I I know when it's feeling good and when it isn't. But other than that, yeah. Um, for for my, my my best day, I would say TPC twenty ten. All right. Yeah. Adam. Well, there's definitely been a few days in the last three or four years that that definitely come out. TPC this year was ridiculous. Um, Came, came out absolutely flying. Well, actually, it was my second shift because uh, I played played Friday afternoon. Uh, didn't play all that great. Felt confidence near the end of the shift. And then come out Saturday morning absolutely just flying. Actually, no, it was Saturday afternoon. Sorry, I played yeah, Saturday, Saturday morning, afternoon. Saturday afternoon. And, uh, you know, shoot, shoot, shoot like 2,100 <laughs> or something like that in the morning. Uh, knew it was far short. And then come out and shoot like 2,590. Yeah, right in the in the afternoon with, with with the two hundred in there, right. So that 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 was probably as zoned. Those first five games was probably as zoned as I, I felt in a long time. Um, I, I there was a qualifying shift at St. Albert for the Open Trials a, a couple years back. Uh, the year I, I threw my perfect, uh, but ended up shooting like thirty one ten or something that day uh, for for ten games. Uh, I had a house that was not giving up a whole lot. Uh, yeah. They uh, came, came back and uh, ended up beating Freddie uh, on that day. I was supposed to retire after my perfect. Uh, <laughs> ne- never, never happened because I took the lead in the tournament. Um, and then uh, the, a two-game block that I, I do remember was against uh, Mikey West at Regina a couple years back too. Uh, start off with a, it was like four twenty. 380 or something something stupid it was like 7 792 or something double and i i couldn't miss <laughs> I, I literally couldn't miss and it didn't matter what i did i went up there the same feeling the, the the problem with getting in that zone is you get into it and then it's a blur after because yeah, you, you get in that zone you just don't understand the zone and it typically doesn't last very long most players it won't even last a, a game right but my my biggest worry, honestly, when you get in that zone is when you get out of the zone and you start struggling for three or two or three frames, and then all of a sudden it's like, what the hell am I doing now, right? You know, like yeah, how how am I gonna, like? And then you're back panicking because it's like, okay, I gotta get that feel back, but you're not gonna get that feel back because it doesn't happen just like that, right? So right, yeah, yeah. yeah you should should have gained a bit of a lead though to to give yourself a buffer, for sure, right? absolutely. So yeah. so you have yeah. time, you just say. The more it happens to you, the more you'll know what to expect when you come out of it. So right. you, you, you see guys, you know, throwing six really good games in a qualifying shift, and they can't finish the last two games to miss a cut. 
right? Because they're in that zone and they just can't right. adjust a game seven when it's not going right. So going back to our topic before and then merging it with this topic, it's the complete opposite. This is what I was, I was trying to bring up here was that, you know, you had these, these doubts and these fears in the one in the conversation back here. And now you have this conversation up here of like all the good and the happy and, and how everything's just a blur and how it all just works out properly. And that that's the kind of feeling you want to aim for. And, or, or if you can obtain it, you know, a couple of times a year, that's, that's what you're going for. So that's what makes up for those bad times when you are struggling so much that you feel like you can't get out of it. This is what makes up for it. Mitch and Davies then, is the new Aristotle. <laughs> Mitch. <laughs> okay. No, it's a really good point, Mitch. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Dex. And there's always going to be better days than bad days. Yep. Too, too good of players for, for it to be the other way around. Most times, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so for all those listeners out there that are struggling right now, just remember it's going to come around. Keep going with it. And uh, like Mitch said, when, when you get that aha moment, it, it'll be all worth it. That's for sure. Um, so we'll bring up the meme of the week. Uh, we thank all the meme pages for uh, coming up with some pretty good memes. There was a good one about uh, myself. But, we laughed uh, hysterically. Yeah, it was, finally, it was awesome. Um, but meme of the week, I think, goes to the five pin universe meme that went out the old rule book in uh, Adam Weber's face. <laughs> I'm pr- proud, of, proud of you guys. Step Still up hurts. your game. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was an unbiased board that chose that meme of the week, and uh, I couldn't be happier for us. Thank you guys. <laughs> Tim's on board with memes now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, Tim likes a meme page. The yeah, we're fine. Universe we're, meme we're... page. <laughs> uh, all jokes aside, guys, yeah, we we greatly appreciate you guys doing that, and we hope you uh, come out some new good ones this week. So we'll try and <laughs> give you a shout out for it. Well, what was the prize to Five Pin Universe? Uh, the round of applause <laughs> you just heard. <laughs> Still more than I get out of my Patreon. <laughs> so, as last week we were talking about in Dexter's rule book segment, uh, we were talking about the red card, yellow card. Now, I may have not known the entire rule of it before I brought it up, so I do apologize for that. But I do have the rule now, and I can express it to you, all of you. Um, bowlers are expected to obey the rules of the Youth Bowl Canada and fundamentals of good sportsmanship and all warnings, sir, at all times. Uh, bowlers issued with a warning by a judge at play shall receive a warning VA yellow card. Should the bowler repeat the infraction at any point dur- uh, prior to, to the close of the championships or in the championships, a red card may be issued and the bowler shall be immediately disqualified from the Nationals. A red card, and we talked about can we go straight to red card, and the answer is yes. So a red card can be also be uh, assessed at any time for a major infraction. No yellow card is required at the discretion of the tournament official. Red cards will automatically be assessed in case of damage to property, physical or verbal abuse, or any contact uh, con rule excessive uh, by a term official. Uh, the YBC Board of Directors shall review all red cards issued at their next meeting and further penalize 
uh, may, penalties may be uh, assessed in, in the current or future bowling seasons at their discretion. So youth, youth only? Youth yeah. only, it looks like. Yeah, youth only. But Mart, when I was talking to Martin about it a little bit too, he said that uh, he had the red and yellow cards in the packages when, when they held the Bowl Canada Cup, but it might just be something they just pass around, right? So, Tim, you know what I would have done with that yellow card? I would have ripped it right in fucking half. <laughs> right? That's what I would have done, right in front of the judge of play's face. Let's okay? go. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Um, that's that's what I would have done with it. I, I I I think this is the dumbest rule I've ever heard in my entire life. The dumbest. Like I I've heard I've heard of some dumb ones where they kick kids out for wearing jeans at tournaments. Like uh, that that makes no sense to me. But this one, a yellow card. This is not Europe. Okay, that's that's first thought. Secondly, we're not running outside. No, this is dumb. Who made this rule, Tim? Um, Bull Canada. Yeah. Tell tell them this is the worst rule that we've ever heard of. Now, I, I think the Bull Canada, I think what they're looking at was making an easy judgment, red, yellow, you're up, in and out for everybody to understand. Um, I, don't, I don't know necessarily if I agree with the fact is you can go you go straight to red and, and then and then you'd be able to, I understand some, maybe if you punch a guy in the face, I get that. Oh but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, the, but to be penalized maybe for next further seasons based off of the one action, I think you didn't DQ'd is enough to me, I think. Right. Unless it's, unless it's very high. I don't, I right? don't think the rule, like the, the discipline rule has changed though. Has it? It's just the visual has changed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To my yeah. Ultimately, I I, so, yeah. I I do I I think I can I can agree with that on that, Kerry. Well, there was always warnings, right? Warnings are yeah. yellow card. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the so yeah. the only thing that changes the the actual visual effect, so, right? Where so, the but, the judge of play actually has a physical card that they but show you. If you if you read it, so what is what is like an infraction for a yellow card, right? It, it depends on the on the judge of player. So yeah. if Mitch goes by and goes and hits the ball return, not you know not hard, but he's frustrated, he's out. He can be out depending on who it is. Right. And Tim, I think you guys talked about this last podcast with Adam. And yeah. He said it perfectly. Is that some guys, you know, they have massive power trips. When you're kids, you know, especially if you're young, right? If they're 17, 18, 19, 20, like guys who may have been around for a long time, they all of a sudden they see a young kid who might, you know, have an attitude problem or whatever, instead of coaching them, instead of being like, hey, just chill out for a minute, you know, relax. Uh, you know, they go over them and they go right and assert their 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 card. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, and now the kids, he's, now he's defensive, you're defensive, and there's nothing good kind of come about this. It escalates. It escalates right quick. Yeah. And I remember being that kid. I really do. You know, and... I've, I've said to you before, like, yeah, I don't hit things. And then I go break my hand like three days later. I get it. You know what I mean? But yeah, I remember being that kid at 18, 19, 20, and I literally just smash everything. And I, I don't do it as much now. I try not to yeah. as much as I possibly can. But, you know, when I was a kid, that's exactly what happened was guys would come up to you and they tell you, you don't do that. And they'd come right yelling at you instead of come talk to you. They're like, okay, like, what's wrong? 
you know, instead of, instead of yeah. just talking to you like a human being. And so I think this is where these cards are, and judge of plays sometimes take matters way too far into their own hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I did get some feedback from a judge of play that, you know, we had discussed. And uh, it was actually, it, was, it wasn't, uh, it was very productive, I can say. Uh, we, we discussed, we, you know, we, we can agree to disagree on some things. But uh, the one thing I didn't know, and, it, you know, maybe I should know, is that we can, don't necessarily, like, we're, we're hosting the Open, for example, for results. We can, we can change and manipulate any rule that we want as long as we make it broadcast. So, for example, like, if I say, you know what, Adam's slow, we don't want to have any slow play warnings, and so be it. That's the way it could be, right? Or um, if you, you know, had an issue with something, like, you know, Johnny was talking about the three-ball rule, have as many balls up on the rack. We're not going to call that, and that's something you could do. I, I didn't know that. I thought, you know, we had to follow the rules at all times. But you can't you can manipulate the rules you want. So um, I guess it was it was good that I found out. The one thing I did find, if you read it above, well you, you can't read it, but I can. Mm-hmm. Um, was you all love this one though? I think this this is a tough one for all of us. Pen resets must be physically enacted by uh, enacted by the coach. So at any huh. time, so players are not allowed to touch the reset buttons. Excessive re- resets at the discretion of the tournament division uh, officials will receive a warning. Well, I guess I'm not playing any bull Canada or open. <laughs> <Yep. anymore. laughs> I press we're it every all, time. We're all out. I reset we're every out. time. Yeah. Yep. We're all out. Yeah. Is that yeah, one but... only a bull Canada uh, rule as well, Tim? Yeah. Wow. So I, I think I think that was part of one of Evan's rules when we talked about it with the yellow card at Nationals because they had a problem with the, the, the pin resets and it was the three pin was almost um, it was a big gap between the head pin and three pin. It was the three pin was closer to the two pin. So he kept on pushing reset. I think it was on convertible wings. And finally they got after so long, the guy said, well, you have to, you're going to have to do it. Right. And just, and Evan didn't want to do it. Well, yeah, I guess if, if the pin setting rule wasn't a rule, he could call slow play on him, Right. Right. So that now, could be the other yeah. call, but. Now, now the other thing is you have to understand is during singles, where's your coach, right? I, now, I've never made singles of YBC Nationals, but I know Mitch has. Your coach is not necessarily there. He could be with the Bantams. They're, right? not, supposed, they're not supposed to be in the pit anyways, right? Uh, absolutely. So so for pushing the green at the, the button, it might be a little bit tough, right? So him getting, getting your coach over there every time to push it over would be – Oh, uh, sorry, I got to delay a game. I go ten frames, ten lanes down. Go get him, right? It doesn't work that way. That might be like Mike Tweedy's dream role. Because yeah. see, he Could he be. would do it all. He would do it all the time. Well, without yeah. having the authority to do it. <laughs> well, apparently he had the only authority to do it. So yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who? Yeah, yeah so lots of strange. That's rules. a weird role. So. Yeah, there there was there was one funny one that we talked about while he was there, and he just said I was being a dick. In a good way. In a good way. But this is okay. So this is something I've said for a long time, just because I am a dick. And <laughs> so you have the the three ball rule, right? You cannot you can have three balls in the field of play is what the rule states. But they clear, or you can have two balls in the in the field of play. 
But then they go on to clearly state what the field of play is. So they constitute that from the back of the approach to the very end of the lanes and stuff like that. So in Sherwood Park, our ball returns overhang the back of the approaches by about, (laughs) you know, two feet. So realistically, (laughs) if you have your bowling ball on the very back of that ball return, doesn't count as one is your two, one of your two. <laughs> is the rule two if there's room or three if there's room? Two. Two. There is not you. It doesn't state at all if there's room? No. No. I mean, I could bring it up here again, but. Uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I've always heard maximum two on the rack. It was but... three for a while. Okay. Yeah, I remember it three if the ball three. rack permitted. I remember yeah. that rule specifically. I don't know if it was a tournament rule or if it was a C5 rule. That I I'm mean, not sure. Balls used to come in sets of three, right? So yeah. you end up buying two. Yeah. Yeah. You only need hmm. one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or shall be entitled to have no more than two personal balls in play at any given time. Um, in play shall be defined to include the entire approach and all areas behind the foul line. Okay. There you go. So the back of your rack doesn't count? Nope. The back of the rack doesn't count. March on. Not on the approach. (laughs) You can have have eight balls on that rack if you want. Three on each side and two further out. (laughs) So we asked these special uh, special guests uh, specific questions. So uh, number one, who's your uh, bowling mentor? Who got you into bowling, or who did you look up to? Oh, um, well, my parents, my my mom, my dad bowls. He still bowls with me actually on a Monday night fun league. Um, my grandmother bowled when they did this like the top ninety thing for Ontario. I don't know if you guys ever knew about it, but Ontario mm-hmm. did like a top ninety. Uh, my grandmother was eighteenth. Uh, so she was pretty good. Um, but I guess a mentor, uh, when I was growing up, um, I really got into bowling when I was like 15. I bowled my whole life since I was a two, but I really got into it when I was 15 and, uh, probably be Brenda, Brenda Walters. She, she coached me a lot. Wasn't so much coaching. It was more like the mental game, right? You talk, I, I, for the most part, bowling wise, talent wise, I, I pretty much just practice, 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 practice all the time. Uh, but mental game, learning the game, learning different shots, different angles, stuff like, like sort of like that would be Brenda. Um, yeah, she was a big component for sure. Awesome. Um, what's your favorite tournament? Um, you know what? Uh, I I guess I got two of them really. Both the, the big one here for me would be, uh, the one we started last year, which is the Ontario Invitational Evil 500 bucks. Play everybody in your pod one time, so it's 11 games. And so that's a grind enough, for I think, for one day. And then you do the, the playdowns, which is uh, one versus eight, two versus seven, et cetera. But if you're the lower seed, you have to beat the higher seed twice every time. Right. So, yeah, even if you're the two seed getting against the one. So that that was good. We're doing it again this year in Waterdown. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I really do uh, enjoy that one. And my favorite one out there would be actually uh, the, at TPC, the, uh, the Invitational there. I, 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 there's something about putting down a thousand bucks and playing a guy that 
that also put down a thousand bucks, and he's like, "Let's go." And um, if you lose, you lose. If you lose, you lose. It's if you over. Lose, you lose. Yeah, you you're done. I mean, and you know what? And and five games gives you enough time to adjust. It gets you some time to figure stuff out. So you know, you even got you got the thirty minutes of practice regardless before that. So you know, you could figure out some stuff there. But the five games for me is a big, like yes, that's that's awesome. You know, it's not a luck box. Like, like three games isn't luck luck either. But with that extra two games, it just gives you a chance to come back. So I, so I really enjoy that one mm-hmm. as well. Those are my two favorite ones. Uh, what well, what's your toughest match? So she said it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she said it already. I think. Yeah, for me, that was probably the best I'd ever bowled that day. Like I was just, I was in the zone. Um, that was that day that someone in the crowd had upset me. And I didn't say a word to anybody for about three or four hours. And I was just going lights out against everybody. Didn't matter who I played. They were, they were getting run over. And I saw Jen was on fire going to the match before me. She shot that 448. And I said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I shot, I shot 940. And she beat me. So, and I think what made it, like I said, the most fun. She didn't bring this part up at all. But the whole weekend, the whole weekend, I told her she could never beat me. literally from from thursday to that sunday i told her you could never beat me on your best day and then and then she beats me in the finals with a with a 940 i have my god this is good mitch this is good pure karma yeah i was yeah i just yeah yeah that, that was probably the toughest match i ever had because you know, when you're when you when we were just talking about earlier, when you have that blur and you have that no one can beat me thought process and everything's just going perfect, and then all of a sudden the person you're also playing has that same feeling, and you go up against each other. That was the only time where the tenth frame of the second game, I thought to myself, I could lose this game. So, and and she that was what made it so tough was that you're on lights out, no one can beat you, and she she changed she turned it all around. So she. Hats off to her for that one for sure. That was probably the toughest match I ever played. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely memorable. That's for sure. Um, so what's in your uh, bowling bag? What's your arsenal? So I currently have uh, Dexter tanks. Um, I don't, I don't have the problem that you guys all have. Or was it you? Was it you, Dex, or you, Tim? Me. Thank you. And yeah, me. I don't have. And you, Carrie? Yeah, I don't yeah. have that problem where they crack in half. Um, I dragged my foot on my right foot, so it's got a nice little burn hole in it. But other than that, no, my shoes have been pretty solid. Um, I just use the normal S8, right? That's the normal one. Yeah, the S8 and the, and the tri uh, heel. Right. So I'm just a normal slider. I usually try to adjust based on conditions, so I'll slow it down or I will speed it up or however it needs to be done. Um, and for bowling balls, I, my standard ones... I use uh, third generation soft rolls, white and black, and then I have everything, but I don't <laughs> use it. I for, mostly just. <laughs> what's up, Dex? For for those who don't know, Mitch Davies runs a bowling ball black market online. <laughs> he will he will buy your bowling balls for cheap and then flip them for twice the price. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you a story in a second. I'll tell you some good stories in a second. Um, 
But I, I got it all. Like if Pretty much my three standard sets that I keep in my bag are the third-generation soft rolls, uh, first-generation soft rolls. And um, I've been losing them lately because I find, like, the harder shell of the, the, the newer Comets. The, like, people say, oh, the older Comets, the older Comets. I don't know. I've been using the newer Comets lately, and I've been getting a lot of carry just because of the hard shell. So if I go to a place where I find, like, I need the ball to be harder, uh, that's what I use. So I've been using those a little bit more lately, and uh, they've been good. Um, overall, I usually very rarely switch boy balls. That's like a last resort, but I just carry them anyways. Um, I feel you. Yeah, <laughs> me <very> too. Rarely. <laughs> you, you never know when you're going to need the last resort. Yeah, right? oh That's... yeah. I've, I've, we've all been there, but uh, no, usually try to stick with the white soft rolls. I like the field on the most of my hand. So I feel like if I use any other kind of ball, like I said, other than the Comets lately, um, they slip out of my hands. Like Aramis, <laughs> I can't even hold those things. They'll just slip right out. Yeah. Didn't Softball yeah. make like junior size bowling balls too at one point? I knew you were going there. I knew you were going there. <laughs> <laughs> it is facts, though. It is facts. They did. Yeah. So oh, awesome. just, awesome. just point that Thank out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what else is left on your bucket list? What do you, What's the one tournament or. Maybe you want to play with somebody on a team. Do you have Do you have something on your bucket list that you want to complete before you call or quits in the sport? Yeah. Um, well, I would like to get a Masters or – I don't play Masters anymore, so I don't know how I'm going to do that. Um, I'd like to get a Masters singles win or a open singles win. I've got two seconds, one in each, so – uh, that'd be nice, but overall, I got a good one for you guys here. Is what I want, really, really, really want to win one day. Is uh, I'd like to win your Western Tour YouTube series. Is what I'd like to win. The Tour Championship. Yeah, because I feel like an Easterner winning it would be really good. Yeah, no, yeah. hey man, absolutely. Our uh, no, I know. Out out I of think... Alberta, like I think it's right now the top twelve is. I think it's seven and five right now. Seven Albertans and five out of Alberta. So. Oh yeah, no, but I, I just, I, I, there's no like, it's like a camaraderie thing, you know. It's not yeah. a, it's not an, an ego thing. It's not a, um, a chauvinistic thing. Nothing like that. It's just, I think, you know, the West and the East has always been the way it is. It's uh, that same old thing, man. Yeah. It's the East and the West, whatever. But I think to go out win a tour that you are very outnumbered in numbers mm-hmm. would be, I, I think that would be awesome. Personally. That's, yeah, just that's, my like, thoughts. that's like you win a duck pin tour or something like that. Yeah. You know I mean? You only have like three of you that come out. So, I mean, to go win something where there's 120 or in the WCBT's case, like 170 people that you go play against. Um, I think that's pretty cool when there's only like four Easterners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that that'd be something I would like to do for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. So yeah. I'll tell you a story of your decks. Okay. Did you have a question, Kerry? Sorry. Uh no, no, we're good. So one time I found a set of bowling uh, fireballs, Brunswick fireballs. Okay, I found them in the basement of Sherwood. They were destroyed, mangled. Okay, I got them resurfaced for twenty bucks total. So I got these balls basically for twenty bucks. I sold them for hundred and eighty dollars. <laughs> 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 and that's all of our podcast right now uh, so i hope the guy hears it oh, wow. <laughs> who is that we guy have boxes oh, of them he's from here 
<laughs> that need to be yeah. resurfaced. So, uh, guys, uh, definitely check out Mitch Davies' uh, fire sale on bowling balls later this week yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One time, I go to this Friday league that I was in. It was just a bunch of brand new bowlers, and I had a ton of plastic bowling balls that I had to get rid of. I didn't care to keep them or anything like that. Um, I just brought a whole bag. I sold them all in one day. I sold them all for 25 bucks a ball. I said, here you what, go. What does your bowling alley think of this? It was sure what at the time, man. They, they didn't care. They had a hole in the ceiling somewhere. I was <laughs> you probably prevented them from fixing that hole. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Take the proprietor point of view, eh? <laughs> Hey, that's a drink. <laughs> Who knew the Wisemans were proprietors? <laughs> Why not? Hey, any other topics, guys? Uh, I'll just touch on the last couple of questions that we had asked. Okay. Um, Kyle Young, should I go to Red Deer? Yes, you should. <laughs> but only for the tournament. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point? Uh, <laughs> John... <laughs> John Greenlee, can you have a sandwich? I'm Frisbee tossing you a ham and cheese right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brett Hendrickson had you're, one, didn't he? Yeah, I was going to say, oh, you're pretty good at tucking sandwiches, eh? Yeah, <laughs> I, I am an expert at Frisbee tossing sandwiches. If, <laughs> if people, our listeners, don't the get way. the reference, Dexter <laughs> had a few wobbly pops and decided to throw a sandwich at the proprietor at Sherwood Bowl, who happened to be his mother. <laughs> So I didn't. It was I, I just I frisbee tossed it behind the counter. It's a long start. She happened to be there, standing in her way. She actually wasn't there. She actually wasn't there at all. So no. Uh, yeah, Brett Hendrickson posted a question and then deleted it. Uh, that was how does Adam Dexter and Tim uh, keep their flow so nice for these tournaments? And my answer is a fresh, you know, razor. By flows, he meant hair. Yeah, fresh flow. <laughs> Tim's hair is fresh. Well, it's the, it's the only one of those three that have hair. I use I I use hairspray. <laughs> what? Yeah, I could have sworn it was dipping you. <laughs> no, no, that that was the old gelmet back in like oh you know the the late nineties, early two oh thousands. So. Oh, yeah. So Lucy probably doesn't have hairspray, but you do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> probably. Wow, wow. No, I don't even want to know. Hey wow. Tim, Tim, when when you get hair, we can talk about product, okay? I got my first gray hair. Thank you. <laughs> wait till wait till you find out how many kids you got. I was gonna say we should get them just for men, but that would make no sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Point, 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 point is, Brett checking down and deleted his comments. So shame on you, Brett. So Brett, if you come to Red Dare, you have to uh, buy a round for the podcast crew. That's what I hear. Yeah, yeah. that's what I hear. Yeah. Chicken. <laughs> and right. maybe, maybe, maybe he can put up a good meme this week. Ooh, we—that's still not confirmed. No, no, <laughs> just 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 him as a uh, individual. Okay, we, we'll we'll take memes from anybody. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't have to be just from the meme pages. I'm sure there'll be a few from this podcast now. So, well, five, five, five ten has a pretty good meme. So I I just so. think Dexter frisbeeing 
a sandwich would be a perfect one. But <laughs> I, right. I can I can see him throwing a sandwich at me at Regina and me diving over the line. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? If we're and... not close, I might just do it for fun. <laughs> Probably cost me a lot of money again, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that one cost me money, though. That's what hurt. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind me. costing you money, but... Yeah, yeah. I remember wanting to find the sniper for my head. That's what I wanted to find. <laughs> Please, put the dot here. Yeah, put the go. dot right here. Let's go. Just take oh. me now. Is that, is that for his eagle? <laughs> so, oh so Mitch, Mitch, you said you were playing all these events, right? Like weekend after weekend after weekend. Has it been profitable for you? Yeah, I mean, I made five hundred at Timmins, made five hundred at Regina, went to H five warm up. We won. I won two pots. So I broke even. Um, best ball, we made like eighty bucks each, like just cheap, whatever. Uh, oh, and then we won a pot, so another eighty bucks. So you're probably about a hundred bucks. And then this past weekend, no, I was down with. So this past weekend was a handicap one raise, and I mean, you treat thirteen hundred, you might as well just not show up. Like that was probably not good. So um, your your days where you're like so so, you you just lose money. So I was probably down like three hundred this weekend, but overall, like you know, you do the math on it. For not winning a tournament or not even coming top four or anything, you I probably made like a grand in the last month and a half. Is that on top of your expenses or? Yeah, like why well, I was counting on okay. expenses. Good, good. Yeah. yeah. So like when I walk out of Regina, whatever I, whatever I walked in with and however I look at the money inside of my credit card and everything like that, I was up five hundred. Same with Timmins, mm-hmm. and uh, so forth. That's how I do it. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's what I, I, you always get those people that seem like they go to the casino, put a thousand dollars and hey, I made 500 bucks, but never told you how much they put in, right? Yeah, but they're so, dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my card. Only. Yeah, it, it, it can be profitable though. Like, I mean, it it can be like, you know, we all know, like I said, we all know we go on those runs where you, you get kind of stupid, right? And then you go on times like if you, at least if you're not cashing in the smaller events, you know, so what? You know, you have your bad times in the wrong, at the right times, and you have your good times in the wrong. You know, yeah. the right times as well. Yeah. So yeah, no, like a thousand bucks in the last month and a half, maybe, maybe more month, I guess, right? Because Tim's was about a month ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, about a month, yeah. a thousand bucks up. Awesome. All right, guys, thanks for coming out, Mitch. <laughs> uh, another great podcast, and uh, good bowling this weekend for everybody playing the Masters qualifiers and all that good stuff. And uh, Send in your high scores. Thanks, Thanks, son, Mitch. Thanks, guys.